On this week's episode, we welcome the league to the world of television. Hence, you can see me introducing this episode. I will explain more soon. Melbourne struggle early with a big loss of personnel and lots of new names. There's controversy at Footscray mid-season. Something is off at Carlton. Fitzroy Fitzroy finally find a name name that suits them. Dick Reynolds Reynolds proves proves the doubt is wrong. wrong. Hawthorne finally come good after many many years of mediocrity. mediocrity. All that and more after the song. After the song. It's a history of football we knows about And we want to expand what we know We'll become such intelligent gentry With every kick-to-kick show Beginning in the time 1870s Right through to the modern day Tune in for Timmy Coops and the Kazman To hear what they all have to say Welcome, everybody, <laughs> yeah. to the world of television. Hello out there in TV land. We made it. We made it. This is the Kick to Kick podcast, the Australian Rules Football History podcast. It takes a deep dive into the history of the league, the VFL. Uh, we've got no real qualifications to bring you this show other than a thirst for knowledge and a desire to relive some better days. Uh, my name is Tim, and you can see me. This is Charlie. Hi, everyone. This is Moz. Hi, everybody. Guys. Hello. Um, I like football history. Yeah. Yeah, you do. Uh, we're here to talk about the 1957 season, guys. And we're on camera. Why are we on camera? Because we thought it was time that everyone got to see our beautiful faces. That's true. We <laughs> said yes. that we had to be. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 1957 was the year that television arrived at the football. Games were finally broadcast. So we will... Uh, televise this whole episode and put it up on YouTube and our website so you can see us in the flesh just like they had back in 1957. Except we won't be talking in those great 1957 voices, you know? Well, I won't. We can. Yeah. I, mean, I guess we could. could. Um, well loved, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Welcome. Um, so, hello, listeners in Brazil and Switzerland, as, Switzerland, Switzerland <laughs> as well. <laughs> hello to you. Um, Let's get to some news and uh, things from around the world, Charlie. Yes, absolutely. Uh, so, hit songs. I'm just going to please, please. Uh, Jailhouse Rock by a little man named Elvis Presley. Well, we talked oh, a little bit about yes. Elvis we last did. year, didn't we? In the events. Uh, and a shout out to the Banana Boat song by Halle Belafontaine uh, and Buddy Holly. That'll yeah. be the, that'll be the day. Wow. Yeah. Oh, okay, that one. I oh, love it. Some Harry Belafonte. Love him. Yeah. He's one of the old man's favourites. <laughs> So, events of 1957, like, as we've talked about, I'm, I'm slowly just bringing it closer into, we're just talking about Australia now, I feel like otherwise there's just too much, and people, you know, we're alive. Yes. So, another great year though, <laughs> another great year, lots of people were alive, and still are, funnily enough. Yeah. Uh, so, on the 19th of January, in some very sad news to start, the last edition of the Argus was published in Melbourne. There's yes. been so much news from the Argus. Yes. The Trove. Yeah, the know. Trove has ended, Tim. Well, no, Trove is lots of different newspapers. No, I know, but, but yes, the I know. Argus I is know. the main it's one that we, we've been sort of going yeah. to. The main which is a killer. Mm. Uh, on the 15th of September, Hobart had its wettest day ever on record. <laughs> so there we go. Uh, it is so a great we're, year. We're talking, we're talking Australia here, guys. Uh, Weather history could be another <laughs> section, actually. On the 3rd of October, we had the Australian National Airways, the ANA, merged with ANSET to become the, pro- the ANSET as we knew it up until they closed their doors in 
the 90s. Nothing, nothing but bright skies ahead. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. for a little while. <laughs> yeah. 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 Pan Am and Anset were just on top of the world. Yeah. <laughs> they both fall apart. And also, Slim Dusty uh, won his first gold record for what song do you reckon? Pub with No Beer. Of course. <laughs> what else could it be? Uh, would you like to hear uh, some people who were born I this would. year? Yes. Absolutely. Oh, sorry, I didn't say. Uh, the Melbourne Cup, of course. Um, Straight Draw won the Melbourne Cup okay. this year. Uh, we had famous people born this year. We had uh, Alan Fletcher on the 30th of March. Do we know who Alan Fletcher he is? He plays Dr. Carl in Neighbours. Dr. Carl Kennedy. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. Very <laughs> important one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We had uh, Peter Costello, the politician, on the 14th of August. And also Kevin Rudd this year on the 21st of September, the Prime Minister. Um, Tony Abbott? Okay. Another Prime Minister yes. was born yeah. just after him on the 4th of November. We also had Nick Cave, the musician, mm. on the 22nd of September. And uh, Simon Madden, the footballer, on the 30th of December. Great. A wrap-up of the year. Excellent. Thank you. Good ones. Good. All right, just uh, before we get stuck into some news, just thought I'd show us, you know, the show notes we prepare. There's my thick show notes. Yes. I keep looking off screen with my computers over here. Um, and we all have a... You can see that from that camera there. Uh, that's a list of the jumpers worn that season and the ladder. So shout out to footyjumpers.com and oh. AFL Tables. Just Thank you. Two, yes. of, our, two of our biggest uh, references when we start, rec start researching. And you can see the table in the flesh as well. Yeah. yeah. Yes. <laughs> and all our decorations. <laughs> um, so, guys, the biggest news story, obviously, was TV. TV coming to the football. Um, there's some changes to ticketing in finals, but we'll discuss that later. So, but let's get stuck into this TV at the footy. Um, so they had successful tests in 1956 at the Olympics and the grand final. Um, we know the, um, the demonstration game at the Olympics was broadcast or, or filmed because there's footage of that. Um, and here's the funny thing. Each channel had the rights to show the last quarter. They paid £50 each. And the plan for round one was Channel 7 was going to have South Melbourne St Kilda. Channel 9 was going to have Essendon Collingwood. The ABC had Carlton and Hawthorne. However, there was a spanner in the works uh, because of a dispute between the ground management and the VFL. Two of the three games couldn't be shown. Oh. Victoria Park, though, was not a member of the Ground Management Association and they were able to film there. So, therefore, on that first round... Um, Only one game was shown. One game was shown, which was Essendon Collingwood. Hey. Uh, which we'll talk about the results of that game later. Um, yep. The second game what was... That <laughs> was so murky. Yeah. Um, then two days later, because it was a split round because of the Easter Monday, they displayed the Geelong Footscray game, uh, which was in played in Cardinia, which was also not in the GMA. There was discussions that Geelong was too far away as well, that they wouldn't be able to get the beam all the mm. way to Melbourne. Um, <laughs> but the nine, really on top of the technology. <laughs> but the Nine Network were able to bounce the signal off Mount Dandenong, and the picture was just as good as the first game. Perfect. Thus... Oh. Football was on TV. Um, I've got the rundown for kind of the TV shows as well for that first year. Would you like to hear it, guys? Yeah. Monday night, 7.50, Channel, Channel 9, the football survey. Great. Tuesday, 9.40, Channel 7, Jack Dyer's football comment. Ah. Oh. Thursday, 10.25pm, Channel 7, John Coleman teams for Saturday. Wow. And then 11pm on Channel 9, football teams. So if you want to know who's playing, stay up till 11. <laughs> on the Tuesday? No, Thursday. Thursday, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. Friday the, uh, at 7.15, the Channel 7 footy show with Jack Dyer, Doug Elliott and star players. 
So it's the footy show. Pretty much. Yeah, great. Saturday at 4 p.m., you got Channel 9, sorry, Channel 2, live telecast the final quarter with their commentators Ray McDonald and Kevin Dakin, uh, Ken Dakin. Channel 9, live telecast of the final quarter, commentator was Ian Johnson. Channel 7's telecast was commentated by Tony Charlton. Oh, yep, great. Uh, then at 7 o'clock on the Saturday, you had a footy replay, and 7.30, you had the Pelico Inquest. Stars of teams give their views on the day's matches, which was also simulcast on 3KZ. <laughs> and then at 9 o'clock, you had footy replay on Channel 2. The Inquest, it sounds so, like, it sounds pretty Pelico hectic. Pelico yeah. Inquest, yes. <laughs> uh, so football on TV. So this brings about several changes as well. And obviously, we you know how much money... Is in it now. TV mm-hmm. brought to football yeah. as well. Um, the other thing it be- is it became less tribal. So back before this, if you wanted to watch your team play, it had to kind of be in your local area. Yeah, you lived in Mel- you lived yes. in Essendon, you go to Essendon. You lived in mm-hmm. Richmond, you go to Richmond. But now you can support anyone because you can watch them on TV. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that, that tribal tribalness we talk about also starts like, to become less and less. Even if it is your local area, you go for Melbourne, say, and you go to the MCG and you watch them. You can also then just watch other games of football. Like yeah. I'm assuming not many people are going to more than one game of footy in a weekend at this stage. No, really. probably not. Yeah. True. So it's just well, you can't you... because they're all at the same time. Well, yeah. Oh, exactly. Yeah. So the only way you're keeping up is watching the the score updates on you know yeah those sorts of, the code. reading. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's footy so, globalization. Yeah. Mm. Um, so we know that it brings lots of money into the uh, the game as well, and and changes things drastically, especially in for the better or movies. worse. Correct. Mm. Um, and it made the game cleaner. Yeah, of course it did. So oh, less, less biff. Oh, yeah, got to be careful on TV. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, TV on football. So, our usual method is to work our way up the ladder. Moz, will you do, do the, the favours? I sure will. Let's start from the bottom. Where Geelong sat. They only won five games this season. They drew one and they lost 12. They finished on 88.2%. Yes, so, coached by Red Chicky. <laughs> what? Hold on, go. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Okay. We're going to do it. You oh, yes, yeah, sorry. Uh, maybe you grab a kazoo. Surprise! Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> okay, great. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So this year, coached by Red Chicky again, captained by Bob Davis again. Uh, best and fairest winner was Bob Davis. And as we started last uh, week, we're going to leave the leading goal kicker to the end. To the end. Right, some debuts, Kaz. Yeah. Doug Long and Ray Harrop. Fantastic. Um, shout out also to Ken Mansell, whose reminiscence on the Boyles football photo website really helped shape this uh, description of what the Cats did. Uh, so round one, Footscray played the Cats uh, in the game we talked about being televised. Yep, beautiful. And so, yep, and the Cats uh, in the first half broke away to a 26 point lead. So the Doggies got to a 26 point lead. But the Cats fought back magnificently in that third quarter, kicking eight goals three to one goal four in the third, time, third term, with Fred Wooler booting five. The Age reported that Geelong's halftime move of Bruce Ferrari to centre half forward upset Witten, uh, his early composure. And added, Wooler led, marked, and kicked superlatively. Yay. Mm. The last quarter of the game was televised live, the first televised Geelong game ever. And the viewers were treated to a nail-biting finish, the final siren sounding with both teams level on 77 points. So the first televised game was a draw. Second televised game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Round two, North Melbourne got away to an early lead and were in front most of the day before being gradually pegged back by a gritty Geelong team, who eventually scraped over the line by six points. 
Uh, in a close finish, Norm Sharp was praised for his performance in the ruck, and Wooler continued his good form, kicking six goals for four. Round five against the Hawks, both Bobby Davis and Bernie Smith were brilliant as they held the Hawks to one goal 17 till three-quarter time. This allowed the Cats to cruise home to a 27-point win, having three fewer scoring shots. Round six, they played at the jo- Junction Oval, where we know Geelong don't play very well at the Junction, Moz. Oh. They traditionally lose there against the Saints. Um, there was an even even first half, uh, then sorry, even first quarter, a five-goal second quarter by the Cats set them up for a win. Geelong beating a rugged St Kilda by 10 points. But then what followed, Kaz, was six straight losses. Ah. Uh. The book is just licking their lips and then... Yeah, and it's, it's 1957. They won back-to-back flags in 51-52. So it's not that long ago. No. They were a champion mm. team. Round 13 against North Melbourne was one of Geelong's best performances of the, of the season. Um, one of your favourites, Kaz, Peter Pianto. Yeah. Kicked two first-quarter goals. But North kept pace with the Cats and reduced the lead by two points. Um, it was a one. Yeah, but from then on, Fred Wooler produced a dominant display and kicked all five of Geelong's goals in the third quarter to stretch the lead to 32 points. The Cats home by 26 at the bell. Wooler finished with six goals, three. Um, Nipper Trezize uh, played his 150th game in round thir- 15. An impressive performance by the Cats saw them far too good for a sluggish Carlton outfit uh, and ran away to a 42-point win. Round 18 was the battle for the wooden spoon. <laughs> so, Who wanted it? Who well, wanted it more? Well, we know Geelong won it because that's the team we're talking about now. Um, loser of the match obviously taking it and because we're talking about Geelong obviously they lost that game (laughs) Um, but it was the only time all season they finished on the bottom of the ladder oh you're kidding so before that they were just sitting yeah mid mid table and they kind of because they had that run of six losses straight they fell down but so it was just at the finish at the finish leading goal kicker their leading goal kicker was Fred Bull with 56 there you go who else could it be yeah indeed (laughs) moving up all right Slightly up the ladder was Fitzroy. They had six wins, 12 losses, and 84.1%. Something else. <laughs> <laughs> the recorder. <laughs> that just brings back nightmares, doesn't oh, it? Oh, doesn't it? It's great. Uh, so, thank you. Um, so, uh, coached and captained by Bill Stephen this year. The best and fairest winner was Graham Campbell. Yes. All right. Uh, debutants were Bruno Zorzi. Love it. Alan Chip, Brian Barclay, Phil Rauchow, Keith Weigard, and Ray Slocum. Zorzi. Zorzi, yeah. Bruno Zorzi. Nice. Yeah. I like it. Uh, this season, Fitzroy finally renamed themselves the Lions. Hey, yeah. here uh, they are. This mascot was first encountered by club treasurer Bill Jacobs and vice president Bert Walters. Um, a report to members in 1957 said that the line was worn by the English as a symbol of both war and sport. Oh, yeah. uh, and the club adopted the symbol because, like the lion, the club had a never say die spirit. That's Kevin Murray, for That's his influence. Yeah. yeah Bulldog. Why didn't they call themselves the Bulldogs if it was taken? It was already taken. <laughs> um, round one, they took on the back-to-back premiers of the Demons and entered the game with a well-designed plan to crowd them on their small ground at Brunswick Street Oval. This move left Melbourne players fighting with each other for balls in the packs while the Lions had a player on the outside ready to sweep in and take the ball and kick the goal. <laughs> Lions won by three points. Can you believe it? And were hailed the glamour side of the competition. 
The final siren there, captain and coach Bill Stevens, was chaired from the ground by jubilant supporters. Very young team, the Cubs here. Yeah. Just lying Cubs, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, Owen Abrams led into a round three win, kicking five goals against St Kilda. Round four, though, was a shocking 15-point loss to Richmond, with the Lions having 41 scoring shots to Richmond's 26. The Lions kicked 10 goals, 31. <laughs> That's outrageous. Graham Cable and, uh, Campbell and Wally Clark kicking three goals, 12 between them for all their hard work. Yeah, it's ridiculous. 10-31. Yeah. Yeah, no. Nah. Uh, yeah. Round five, they lost by two points at Victoria Park to Collingwood. Graham Gotch missing the winning goal from point blank range. Blank range. Uh, Kevin Murray was best for the Lions, completely overshadowing, was. overshadowing his bigger opponent, Murray Wiedemann. Round seven, they went down to Cardinia Park and beat the Cats by 14. Ken Grimley kicking six and Campbell five. But then they suffered seven straight defeats. So that by round 14, they were dead last, a game and a half behind their nearest rival. Which would have been Geelong. Yeah, I suppose so. <laughs> uh, but the late, they staged a late-season revival, knocking off Richmond before beating Collingwood by a point in a wet and muddy game. Round 17, Kevin Murray was best on ground against Carlton. Uh, his well-judged <laughs> marks over. and courageous ground play for four quarters turned many attacks. Well, they couldn't Last. get them over the line. <laughs> <laughs> then in round 18, they took on the Cats, as we mentioned. Uh, Fitzroy played clever, brilliant football, throwing themselves into the game and streaking away with a four-goal win. In the second quarter, they put on an eight-goal burst with Wally Clark dominating in the ruck. Uh, and thus, what seemed like an inevitable wooden spoon a few rounds ago was avoided. But post-season, Bill Stephen announced his intention to retire yes. as both captain and coach. Leaving, goal kicker? leaving space for a, another great man to take over next year, but we'll yes. talk about that. <laughs> yep. uh, leading goal kicker was Owen Abrahams with 31. 31 goals. How many points? Yeah, uh, yeah. 100. <laughs> no, I don't know. <laughs> All right. All right. Third last or 10th was South Melbourne. They had seven wins, 11 losses and 88.8%. Do you want to keep going? No. You're going to have an answer. Pretty catchy. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. It's great. Uh, so, coached by Herbie Matthews this year, uh, captained by Ron Clegg, best and fairest winner was Jim Taylor. Uh, uh, yes, yeah, so I'm not surprised. <laughs> Ronnie Clegg taking over from Ian Gillett. Gillett, Gillett. Gillett. Yeah. Round one Gillett, yeah. was a lakeside showdown against St Kilda. Oi. Now, interesting prelude to this as well. Um, during the preseason, the teams have been involved in a outside of comp, like a basketball comp between all the league teams. Oh. Um, so in February, the police were called to stop fighting between St Kilda and South Melbourne at one of their games where punches were being thrown. Um, many players were cut and bleeding and were treated after the game. Three policemen had to step in to break cut it up. Cut and bleeding on a basketball Basketball, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't want to commit any violence, yeah. but I am so glad that this means something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, newcomer Colin Colquhoun was named at fullback, so your man Fred Goldsmith could go forward and... Uh, some goals. Do his thing. Hey. However, in this game, South got beaten, uh, but the by the continually improving Saints. Um, also, I forgot some debutants for you, Kaz. Brian Forkhead. Oh. And if you I say it with like a Scottish accent. Oh, yeah. 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 And Percy Percy Appleyard. Ah. Oh. Like yeah. 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 Forkhead. Um, <laughs> 
Did you want to say something? No, no. Nope. <laughs> I, I, I pulled myself in. I reined it in. Their first win came in round three at Lakeside Oval, defeating Richmond by 43 points with champion fullback Fred Goldsmith kicking nine. What? Oh, good. I love it when he's let loose in the forward line. Yeah, you he do. Was a, he was a forward, wasn't he? Well, he was, yeah, he was a forward to start with. Then they put him in the back for years. Yeah. 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 Where he was just a great man. He was great anywhere, really. He kicked seven goals mm. in the first half in that game. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the Sporting Globe headline read, Swans kill Tigers. And Goldsmith was described as inspirational in this game. Oh. However, six more losses Always followed. Always wanted to be described as inspirational. In which Herb Matthews, <laughs> Herb Matthews tried to throw things around. He dropped former captain Billy Gunn. And they sat at this stage at the bottom of the ladder. Their next win came in a thriller against Geelong. The Swans holding on for a two-point victory. They had a sluggish start and controlled much of the game, leading by three goals with a minute to play. But the Cats rallied late. And it was only Swans backman Ian Gillett and Jack Hudson who held them at bay. Two-point win. They got in the roll then, beating Fitzroy by 13 points and then St Kilda by 10 points. They knocked off Richmond by five at Hunt Road Oval, so some really close wins. Yeah. yeah. Their best win of the season came in the penultimate round against the two-time reigning Premiers Melbourne, who had been tipped for an easy win. The Swans started well, keeping the Dees goalless in the first quarter and withstanding their third quarter comeback in which they took the lead. South hit back in the final quarter and then John Kelton kicked the goal after a brilliant mark. They trailed by just two points with time on. South desperately rushed the ball forward to the grandstand and Ruckman Don Kelter was standing there with the trainer who was fixing his boot. He brushed the trainer aside, took possession of the goal and snapped the winning goal a split second before the siren rang. Well, not wearing a boot. <laughs> I don't know what was happening with the boot. Uh, but yeah, inspirational stuff. Uh, they won their final game of the season over North by a six goal to one first quarter setting up an easy 33 point win. Goldsmith kicking five in that. Did Goldsmith lead their goal kicking? He certainly did. Of course he did. Unbelievable. Uh, he had 43 for the year. There you go. So yeah. Incredible. As a full back... Mm. Mm-hmm. To do that. To just yep. come on and just do do that, yeah. Incredible. All right. Uh, St Kilda finished ninth this season. They had eight wins, ten losses, and 94.5%. I love it. everybody joining in right there. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't keep I'll up. I'll have a faster reaction next time. <laughs> so, uh... Coached by Alan Killigrew and captained by Keith Drynan, their best and fairest winner was Brian Gleeson in this year. Yeah, not surprisingly. No. Um, some debutantes were Alan Morrow, Kaz. Can you tell us a bit about Alan him? Alan Morrow, a broad-shouldered, strong-legged and big-hearted ruckman who was one of the league's best despite being just only six feet tall. Attacked the ball regardless and uh, was in high regard. Now, um, so... There was an illegal taping. There, sorry, there was an illegal offer made to them to get him across from sale yeah. uh, with his mate Bill Stevenson. But it got found out um, because uh, they were tape recorded the deal that was oh, made. Oh, really? Stop it's it! Right. So we've got the world of television. We've got the world of uh, tape. Uh, um, He's wearing a wire. <laughs> Alan Morrow gate. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, so yeah, and um, and that, that's one of the significant stories about him. Nice. Mm. Um, so another debutant was Eric the Tank. Guy. Love it. I know you're mad for a nickname, Kaz. <laughs> now, last season we talked about Alan Killigrew wanting to change the jumpers. Yes. This season he got his wish. With the jumpers, uh, he added black sleeves, giving the team a more menacing look. Mm. And that's what we know today as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, round one, they took on South Melbourne in the lakeside pennant and things got off to a rocky start with champion full forward Bill Young concussed in the opening quarter. He was so bad he actually had to ask his opponent which way he was kicking. Um <laughs> 
he ended up with five for the day, so it can't have been that bad. They won by 29. <laughs> they are now n- nine to 25. That's what I was going to ask before. I was yeah. like, is, is it starting to balance oh, out? No, the answer is no. no. Nine to 25. Nine to 25. Um, then they rushed in those recruits you were talking about, Kaz, our Alan Morrow and Bill Stevens coming in against the Doggies, in which they lost that game. The next win was a f- was in round four, a 17-point win over North Melbourne with Ken Mulhall kicking five and Bill Stevenson impressing with his safe high marks, also kicking four. Uh, then round six, the tank made his debut, but was so nervous he had to be shoved down the race by his teammates. Uh, Geelong would win, but the tank would become a great player for the Saints. Murray Wiedemann said of him, He was the toughest player of my time. He always concentrated on the ball and never, to my knowledge, put it in the dirt. But once he set himself for the ball, he moved like a one-man blitz. Mm. There he is. In round 10, Brian McCarthy (laughs) played like a man possessed, uh, leading the Saints to a 16-point victory over Hawthorne, moving their coach Jack Hale to comment that a tsunami would not have stopped St Kilda that day. Uh, Following a round 11 loss, they lost those two players, Alan Morrow and Bill Stevenson, um, because of the illegal breaking of the court to law there, Kaz, that you talked about the tape recording yeah. mm. um, they then beat the dogs in round 13 by 8 that day Brian Gleeson their ruckman had a day out in the ruck he also kicked 3 goals they smashed Fitzroy by 43 points won a thriller over North by 4 uh, they went down to Geelong and won a very hard fought match by 15 in a game that saw Eric the tank guy given a 4 week suspension for, strength, for striking Noel Rayson uh, late in their round 16 lost to Melbourne a Saints player was knocked out uh, and the trainers all ran in to help and then they started remonstrating with the uh, offending demons player. Oh, really? Thus an all-in brawl. Ten players and five trainers were involved in a melee. Huh. Um, nothing happened, though, minutes before. The, the siren rang shortly after, and uh, they kind of dispersed, and that was it. <laughs> okay, it's and over the, now. Good yeah, game. the final round, uh, they took on Collingwood, and they were aspiring for finals. If they won this and luck went their way, they could make finals. Oh, the Saints? No, the Pies. Oh, the Pies, yeah. Saints yeah. took control in the third quarter. Six goals to one, finished off the Magpies. Um, and ended the Saints season on a really high note. Yeah, you know, this is quite you know quite a good season for them. Uh, they won by forty that game. Neville Linney kicked five and Bill Young four. Um, leading goal kicker Charlie. Bill Young again with the exact same amount he won with last year, fifty six. Yeah. See, he kicked fifty six and fifty six. If he only could have kicked fifty seven in fifty seven. Oh yes, it would have. That wouldn't that be perfect? Mm. Yeah, right. that's what we would have loved. North Melbourne finished eighth this season with eight wins and ten losses, like St Kilda, and they had 95.1%. That's just completely wrong. <laughs> 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 so, join in the chorus. Right, I'm thinking of a different one in my head. I'm not singing the right song. That's it. No, that's yeah, not. that's it. Anyway. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> so, we should edit that out? No. Never. <laughs> Coached by uh, Charlie Gordian. We've already just had that conversation. Um, and captained by John Brady, their leading goal kicker. No, uh, no their best and fairest was Brian Martin, Great. I meant to say. Debutant was Ivor Witness. Witness. Wit- Witness. Sorry. Witness. Witness. I have a witness. Um, they also had a new president, name. Alex Marr, taking over from Fonz Tobin. Uh, round three. What happened to the name Fonz? Yeah, I know. Yeah. It'll be back. Yeah. Uh, round three was their first win, which was a hard-fought nine-point victory over Hawthorne at home. Goal kickers 
with uh, this was well spread with Spencer and Schofield with three each. Doug Dale and Templar and East Mule with two. In round five, the Kangaroos beat Footscray by two points, despite only scoring one behind in the final quarter. Spencer kicked four as the Kangaroos kicked off a four-game winning streak. Hey! This win was followed by a 15-point win over the Magpies, with the Kangaroos' defence showing their best form in years, and Brian Martin beating Collingwood's Rucks all on his own. Father of uh, Nick Martin. Ah, there you go. Then a four-point thriller over South, in which North escaped with a controversial win. South men cried in the last minute that Fred Goldsmith should have received the kick in the in the goal square. I oh, could have had fifty-seven. Yeah, no, that goal, oh. no, not Goldsmith. That's uh, we're talking about Young. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. And a one-goal win over Fitzroy in that time. Oh, we were in this young. time, Jock Spencer again led the way with sixteen goals across those four games. Uh, but they win just three more for the season, Charlie. <sighs> in round eleven, a lot of teams just going off the boil. Lots of like streaks of losses. Yeah. at the moment, yeah. At this end of the ladder, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah funnily enough, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's weird how that happens. <laughs> Teams um, down the bottom seem to lose a lot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Round 11 over Essen, they had a win over Essen by nine points. Then had a 44-point win over Richmond the following week in which Brian Martin was again dominant in the ruck. Their final term onslaught of seven goals shook off the pesky Tigers. John Dugdale, the star at full forward, with seven goals. And their final win was in round 16 against Footscray by 19 points. The wet Footscray ground could not curb the speed or brilliance of Rover Alan Aylett, who kicked three. North's big men held control in the air, and the Rovers, led by Aylett, continu- continually broke clear. Uh, but this was a welcome improvement for the team from the previous season, who had, like, dead last. With, yeah. Mm. yeah. No, no good. Last season, so. uh, leading goal kicker? Leading goal kicker. Who do you reckon? Was it Spencer or was it Dugdale? Spencer. No. It's Dugdale. Dugdale. With um, 37, so not that many. Okay. Nah. Yeah, not many. Nice. Not many. Good, good for the team, nice. but nah. Yeah. Uh, all right. Richmond finished seventh. They had nine wins, nine losses. Oh, oh they're ready. They're poised. Nine wins, nine losses, and 93.9% go. Take it away. <laughs> 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 So, coached by Alan McDonald, a captain by Des Rowe again this year, best and fairest winner, Roy Wright. Kaz, we've got a few debutants here that are quite uh, worth talking about. Uh, one of them is Brian Pilcher, uh-huh. but the other are Neville Crow and Roger Dean. Tell no, us. I, I, don't, I don't want to poo poo Richmond and say anything suspicious or anything but these suspicious. two these, these two like, that wasn't the right word but these two players were found guilty of something we do not like in football uh, like playing for free kicks hey. ah. stages so stages mm. now I'm going to read this verbatim because this is good okay um, I hope I hope I do it justice blessed with a good spring and mobility um, this is Neville Crow. he was one of the unluckiest footballers in league history like, even unluckier than Jeff White being kicked. What about, tra- what about Troubles? Unluckier <laughs> 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 than Troubles. Seriously. Crow missed the 1967 Premiership triumph because of suspension. He was found guilty of striking Carlton's John Nichols in the second semi-final, something which Nichols admitted years later was a stage performance purely to earn a free kick. Oh, so John oh, Nichols' so stage. was the other guy. Yeah, so, okay. so they're involved in something. He was involved in staging. This is not good. It affects everybody. <laughs> yeah. That's it. He's a, a, the victim. He's a victim of staging. The victims of staging. The real problem. <laughs> he should have spoken up about it. <laughs> it was the first suspension in Crow's 10-year decorated career, um, uh, which ended 
On a truly sad note, the crunch moment came at the tribunal when Nichols was asked whether the fact that he didn't recall the incident could have been because of a blow he suffered. Nichols said nothing to discard the suggestion that Crow's fate was sealed. To add insult to injury, Crow had to miss a trip to the US and Ireland a few weeks later when he suffered internal bleeding in the leg. Oh. Oh. Which I'm assuming didn't have anything to do with the staging. But, <laughs> <laughs> but so here we have um, uh, Roger Dean, um, a tough and tremendously determined utility. Dean made life very difficult for resting Rovers when he played uh, in the back pocket. He worked his way into the senior side of the floor, became the finest defenders in the game of the era. Um, he made it very hard um, for anyone resting and uh, was always um, a master of playing for free kicks, especially close to goal. So that's a redeeming factor there. It was always... <laughs> for you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, Charlie, as you said, they appointed uh, former player Alan McDonald as yes. coach. Um, apparently, former coach Max Oppie didn't even know he'd lost the job until... Uh, he the day after McDonald. No, appointed. well, Oppie was only there oh. for the one year. Yeah, yeah. So did, I don't know if he knew that though. No, he didn't know he was only going to be yeah. there for one yeah, year. Yeah, but he, he so like he, you'd think you're going to get more than yes, a single so year. He, he yeah. found out that he was replaced like the day after the, his replacement was appointed. So he he rocked oh, up and someone yuck. else had the whistle yeah. Yeah. and he was like, "Isn't that mine?" No, yeah. <laughs> awkward. They had success straight up though with a 23 point win over North in a high scoring game with Bob Dummett kicking seven and Ray Alsop with four. Uh, in round four, Richmond defeated Fitzroy by 15 points in that game where they had 15 less scoring shots. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So the, the final score in that was 16-10, to 10 goals, 31-91. That's outrageous. Which remains the greatest deficit in scoring shots by a winning side, although it was equaled in 1977. Okay. So we'll hear about that next year. Um, round seven was a big two-point win over two-time reigning premiers Melbourne. Scores were level at both quarter time and half time. The Demons then kicked zero goals, eight in the third quarter to trail the Tigers by a goal. Before Richmond finally clicked into gear and kicked two goals, it delivered on a plan set by coach Alan McDonald, who'd set out to blanket Tunbridge and Fenton Smith and Lord. Mm. I believe the, uh, the Demons Ruck Brigade. Yes, well, um, Fenton and Tunbridge Smith had taken over from Cordner yep. that year, so they were younger guys. Yeah, so there you go. So the Demons' score of six goals, 14, was its lowest score any side had kicked against the Tigers since 1948. Hey, okay. okay. So the Demons hadn't scored much. No, no, I know that's okay. what I'm saying. Sound, interesting. Yeah, no, I was. Yeah. I didn't mean to be positive about okay. it. Yeah. It was just interesting. Yeah. I, I like facts. Okay. Is the what win- I'm saying. Okay, worked out. Yeah. Hey, th- this win kicked off five in a row. Five in a row wins, not losses. Uh, the following week, they had a two-point <laughs> win over St Kilda. Tom Simpson and Stan Morcrom were huge in this win for the Tigers. They ran over the Pies at uh, Vic Park. Final frantic minutes of the game uh, to win by seven. Ray Alsop kicked six, including three in the last quarter. They had convincing wins over Essendon and Geelong to be just out of the four on percentage. But then they only won two of their remaining seven games. These were against Hawthorne by three points and Carlton by four goals. The finish of seventh was disappointing, but it was a big improvement on last season, and they beat all four finals-bound teams and both last year's grand finalists. So that's really interesting, isn't it? Very uh, mercurial, you would yeah, say, so you beat almost. the teams. Oh, you beat Thank the you. teams you're not supposed to beat and lose and the teams lose you're the, supposed to beat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very strange. Yes. Uh, so lead goal kicker was Bob Dummett with 41. Uh, yes, again. Bob Dummett, mm. good. All right, Footscray, they also had nine wins. They had one draw, eight losses, and 99.1%. 
I really like that version. It's very <laughs> yeah. sad. It's very French. Yeah, yeah isn't it? On a gondola. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, coached by Charlie Sutton, captained by Harvey Stevens. Best and fairest winner was Ted Whitten. Yes, but uh, there's more to that story. Uh, Debutant was John Quarrell. So let's hope he doesn't argue with the umpires. Yeah. <laughs> um, hey. Now, we talked about their opening round match. They had that draw with the Cats, uh, with the doggy kicking six more behind, so they probably should have won that game. Yeah. Their first win came in round two by 32 points over the Saints. Um, then, with a win over Carlton in round three, they remained the only undefeated team in the league. But then you know, the Mighty Bombers brought them back to earth in round four. They had a thumping loss to them. Um, then one of our favourites, old cardboard box. Uh, yes. yes. Uh, they were actually dropped. They were in patchy. Or actually, not dropped, but they were in really patchy form. They just inconsistent. Both, both box and Stevens. Oh, sorry. Okay. Oh. Um, <laughs> sorry, I just got excited yeah. talking about cardboard box. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, he folded. Sorry. <laughs> Herb Henderson and Stockman were dropped, um, but they regained some. Like the the team. Got the message from those two losses. Two losses. Uh, round six saw Jack Collins starring at full forward. He kicked seven goals to lead his team to a seven-goal victory. Yep. Over the Tigers. In round twelve, Captain Harvey Steven was out of form, so he was told he needed to res- return via the reserves. Hey. But the doggy scraped in with a one-point win over the Cats at home to cap off a fairly successful run that had them winning five of their past seven games, sitting third on the ladder. Jeez, it doesn't happen yeah. often that the captain's got to come back through the. Res- like, yeah, yeah, no. That's a- yeah. Um, it's a but rack, isn't it? following that glorious scraping home victory, one point win over the Cats, um, the football world was rocked when the club committee sensationally sacked their coach. Why? There was some criticism that he was training the players too hard and was reluctant to move players around when needed, Kaz. Mm. Uh, the official reason was that Sutton's business obligations were getting in the way. Ah. He was told via phone of his fate uh, and Sutton said this... I felt very disappointed and hurt because you put, a, put in a lot of hard work. The boys are going rather well and I was happy they were keeping their feet on the ground. You don't push too soon. So we're going well. Up yeah. 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 Uh, in the meantime, 23-year-old Ted Whitten was approached to be the new coach, which was surprising because he wasn't even captain. No, oh, yeah, exactly. Uh, but Ted didn't accept until he had Sutton's blessing. So he went around to Charlie Sutton's house and Sutton offered to give him some guidance as much as he could. Mm. So Ted accepted. Uh, this also saw Harvey Stevens have to stand down as captain so Ted could be captain coach. Uh, Ted Whitten told the media... The news was a very big shock to me, but I'm very proud and happy to be given the job of leading Footscray. My heart's always been in the Footscray club and I'll give everything to the position. Charlie Sutton taught me all I know about football and I regard it as an honour to succeed such a great leader. There must be confident in his um, ability. 23. Yeah. But there's got to be more to that story as well. It does have to be more to that story. Peculiar. They're finishing, they're third on the ladder. Like, things aren't going that and bad. the mm. idea of sacking someone because they think they're training the players too hard just doesn't seem... They won a flag, like, three seasons ago. Yeah, exactly. Very strange. Oh, um, his first match in charge was against St Kilda. Sutton came into the rooms pre-game, which he wasn't supposed to, and wished him luck. But they uh, they lost the Saints beat them. It's very uh, it's it's very big of Charlie Sutton to do yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. Kind of sh- sticking it up the committee's ass. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Stuff ya. Yeah. Uh, Doggies actually lost four of their last six and missed finals. Uh, well, yeah. Um, and there was a bit more fallout as well with several players leaving. Uh, apparently, old cardboard didn't get along with Ted Whitten, so he left and Herb Henderson as well. So you know, a bit of change. New coach, new blood. You reckon it would get up a few of the older guys' noses if a 23-year-old's taken over and starts 
giving you orders yeah. as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So cardboard packed up and shipped. <laughs> yeah, yes. he did. Yes. Um, Thank you. Lead goal kicker, Jack Collins, yeah, with 74. Yeah, I think you led the season, yeah, didn't Yeah, I was going to say, it's a, it's a, it's a good, uh, good number. Nice. Okay. Moving up, moving up. Just out of the finals landed Collingwood. They oh, no. also had nine wins. Oh, darn it. They had nine wins, one draw, eight losses, and 101.8%. Colin, we get the recorder. <laughs> they deserve the recorder. I actually like the recorder. They I deserve the recorder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that actually yeah. sounded nice. It is a nice. much maligned. Yeah. Yeah. In the hands, of a, in the hands yeah. of a musical genius. Yeah, better than the right. grade threes. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, one lesson. Coach this year by Fonz Kine, captained by Bill Toomey. Best and fairest winner was Murray Wiedemann. Yeah, um, big round weed. big weed. Round one, the Pies suffered an unusual home uh, thumping at the hands of the Bombers. Yeah. So, I mean, this is the game that was televised. <laughs> I just felt this, this is, is the first game televised. Tell, yeah, I'll, I'll yeah. talk about it when I talk about the Bombers because it's really their victory. Yeah. 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 Rather than Collins' loss. Yeah. 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 Uh, then a round two grand final rematch saw them fail against the Demons again. Mm. One casualty in this match was Collingwood defender Lord Lloyd Williams, who broke his leg really badly. And there was a real stuff up with the stretcher where he was lying there for 10 minutes because they couldn't find the stretcher. Stop it. Oh. Um, oh, so no. they ended up having to get the rub down table and carry him up, off upside down. On, like They turned the, the oh, rub down table upside down, down and, and put him on him it. Off, yeah. He would never play football again. Mm. Yeah. It's Coleman esque. Yeah. <laughs> Round three was their first win, a 10 point victory over Geelong. Uh, they repeated this form the next week against South Melbourne, and there's actually some footage. So let's have a quick look at some of the footage from this. That's a tuck coming through for Collingwood, taking it over the centre line, down to centre half forward. Wiedemann is the one who's off the mark at centre half forward. Goes up into the goal square. That's Taylor of South Melbourne. in possession for South Melbourne and now it is Bergen of Collingwood that is Brewer of Collingwood he has the ball about two yards in from the behind post McGowan of South Melbourne 40 yards out Kingston of Collingwood leading Goldsmith in the run in the forward pocket Goldsmith has it 10 yards 15 yards out that goal to Goldsmith is South Melbourne's ninth. Gun in possession for South Melbourne, taking it over the half-forward line. Right up into the goal square now, Clegg rising. Here's Goldsmith in possession in the goal square into the behind post now. And Goldsmith put it through. Norman in possession now, centre-half back, goes up towards the forward line. Taylor of South Melbourne in possession about 30 yards out from the Collingwood forward goal. Now the ball to centre-half four for South Melbourne. has gone down towards the full forward line. Clegg rises for the mark. Clegg takes the mark and he's got a 30 yards out from goal directly in front of goal. And it's full through for full court. In comes Bill Toomey. He's taking it out towards the centre wing position. Now it's... Yes, on a south half forward line, that's Gilton taking it down to a full forward pocket. And as Goldsmith takes the mark, he misses the mark. Kingston has possession of forward pocket. Down towards the half forward line, Skilton has it a centre half forward. 
And now it's Grieve of Collingwood. Stilton again at centre-half forward, but the umpire's whistle's gone. The umpire's whistle's gone. They've got to come back to centre-half forward. And it's all on down there. The player's in the centre of it. Gambling of Collingwood just wide of the centre-half back. They're in the time on period. That's Stilton of South Melbourne at centre-half back. 49.93 to 11.17.83. Ten points Collingwood's way and it's at centre-half forward for South Melbourne. And that player is Delante. Ian Brewer kicked four goals for, for the Pies in that game as well. This season was really punctuated with some close wins, such as their, their two-point win over Fitzroy, but then they could never really get a run on. Um, they'd fall to other teams they'd normally beat, like North Melbourne, and they lost to Essendon twice. Uh, in round 10, they kicked six goals straight in the second quarter uh, to eradicate the Blues, winning by 37 points. Ken Smale kicking six. Uh, come round 13, they took on the Ds again mm -hmm. and produced another classic bout, although the last few haven't really been classics because the Ds have just smashed them. Yeah. Mm. It's just a great rivalry at this mm. stage, though. There's just so many games that I, Melbourne are winning, which and, I really like. <laughs> yeah. And the Ds have really primed themselves. For, sorry, the Pies have really primed themselves, as I think most teams would when they're taking on yeah. the Demons. Um, the Ds got out to an early lead, but the, the Pies came back at them. Uh, three points to the difference at three-quarter time. And in the last quarter, the Demons bombarded the goals, uh, but couldn't get one through. The Pies' defence stood up tall, and when the bell rang, the score read a draw. Hey. So better than a loss. Better than a loss, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. They again beat Geelong and South to stay in touch with the top four, but a one-point loss to Fitzroy was costly. In the last round, they needed a miracle. They had to beat St Kilda and hope Carlton knocked off Essendon significantly uh, hey, to make yeah. finals. If you're relying on someone else to make finals, yeah. you're, in, you're not in great shape. But the Saints easily had their measure and their season was over. No finals for you, Collingwood. So two grand finals in a row and then you miss finals. Yeah. Tough. It's tough. Mm. Yeah. It's a tough beat. Uh, lead goal kicker for them this year was Ian Brewer with only 26, though. Very yeah, so they got no, no forward target, do they? Never, not since the curse of Ron Todd. No. It'll get you. Every time. <laughs> Every time. Finalists. Here we go. Okay, Carlton. Are you ready, ready no, for the next one, Kaz? No, I'll talk slowly. <laughs> Carlton finished with 11 wins, 7 losses, and a percentage of 99.5. <laughs> Carlton aren't special, they don't, they don't get in the <laughs> um, So this year, coached by Jim Francis and captained by Ken Hands, again, their best and fairest winner was Bruce Comden. A big debutante as well, Kaz, John oh. Nichols. So apparently, I, 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 don't, I don't know, uh, Ryder's <laughs> probably the best ruckman of all time. I, I like a lot of good ruckmans. No, I disagree. So, um, Percy Bentley had said, I hope we don't take this little fat bugger. <laughs> that, the little fat bugger turned out to be possibly the greatest ruckman of all time. His not, little fat bugger. Not only was he extremely talented in his own right, he inspired fear in his opponents and brought every other player around him into the game with tree trunk legs, always manoeuvred him into the best position. And he was impossible to shift. The piercing cold blue eyes gave the most frightening wow. stare. Oh. That's quite um. <laughs> I haven't heard that about Yeah, them. yeah, no. no. They're usually talking about their legs, not their eyes. <laughs> it's very strange. And all their hands. Stamping authority on every game. Um, Nichols' clashes with Polly Farmer were legendary and Pess Bentley had said of him also. Uh, he used to lean on Farmer's left side to restrict his handball and use the same tactics 
Cadets. Read up on John Nichols. Great player. And apparently they had to take his brother when they drafted him. It was like a, a two-player deal. So his brother yeah. Don Nichols, Don and John, uh, made a deb- his debut the year before. Yeah, and they weren't sure mm. about Either of them, yeah. yeah but that's that. Like, it's like, well, look, you you take Don, you get, you have to take him as well. That's yeah, the fact that, that, that little bugger as well. That's how uh, that's how Travis Cloak got to the the bank wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Oh, had, so they, they wanted Don and they just got yeah, John. Yeah. Oh, I thought okay. Yeah, no, wow. no, the Cloaks were like, if you want Travis, you have to take Jason and you have to <laughs> yeah, take Cameron. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I've had some similar hopes for Oscar McDonald as well. Okay, mm. it doesn't seem like anyway. <laughs> I, I love it. <laughs> so, so there. Yeah. So there. Okay. Yeah. Oh, have I not? Oh, no, it's me. Yeah, it's you. The Hawks, round one. <laughs> oh, no, hang on. Have you done the cap? Yes. <laughs> no, no. Oh. I've got idea. Oh, sorry. I'm behind. Okay. Because we didn't do the leading goal kicker. Oh. Hey, Charlie. Yes. Yes, we did. We did. Because he kicked 27. You're like, I've got the Collingwood. Yeah. Yeah, so we're talking about Carlton, not yeah. Hawthorne. So Carlton's Carlton's coaching captain, we done that. Didn't I do that? Yeah, I did. Great. Round one. The Hawks The Hawks jumped the blues, seven yeah. goals to one in the first quarter, in what was basically the margin at the end of the game. Um, and this is quite an upset. Hawks Hawks usually don't win these kind of games. Um, so the Carlton lost round one, but this is the game that uh, John Nichols made his debut in. Mm. Round two saw a brilliant first half game of football against South Melbourne which set up a good win. Don Nichols, John's brother, dominated in the centre before half-time and Rovers Beasy and Sullivan were in top form. Crow and Beasy scored seven of the first eight goals actually. Carlton benefited by Ken Han's leadership when the Blues big men started to tie in the second half. Round five, the game against Richmond was won in the first quarter when the Blues, kicking against the win, managed to finish the quarter all square with the visitors. The Blues then took advantage of that win, kicking six, seven goals nine to two two in the second quarter to be six goals up at halftime and set up an eventual four goal win. Huge! The game actually ended in an interesting way when a team of uh, youngsters clambered onto the roof of the press box and uh, rang the bell with a stick. <laughs> but old field umpire Harry Bitesell was not easily deceived. No, <laughs> Harry. He blew his whistle to halt play. He ran to the fence to double check with the timekeepers, who said, "No, no, keep playing." He scampered back and they played a little bit more of the game. They don't train for that at umpire training um, school. No. <laughs> <laughs> Young men scampering on a roof. Yeah. No. Yeah, the siren sounded two minute, minutes later, but the uh, the unofficial timekeepers had already scuttered off. <laughs> Not to be got. <laughs> Round seven, the Blues had a strong win over Essendon. Their accurate six goals at quarter time, setting up a 27-point win. In this match, the aide made the co- the age made comments that John James played another spectacular match at half-back. His marking was amazing at times, and his general ground play and faultless judgment enabled him to halt Essendon's advances repeatedly. He's a name that we'll hear a bit more about, isn't he? Moswell, John James. Uh, Between round 11 and 14, they won four on the trot, beating St Kilda, the Hawks, South, and the Dogs. Then, on the eve of their final match against Essendon, the club dropped Captain Ken Hands. What? Oh, boy. Hansy. They named him, Maybe but they probably why. told him he wouldn't play. They, were, they thought they'd rest him coming into finals. Oh, okay. So it wasn't a performance thing. I don't think so. He showed up at the game, but didn't bring any, any gear with him because he knew he wasn't playing. And the Bombers smashed them in this game. Um, the consolation for Carlton was that Collingwood had lost, so they were definitely in finals. Well, was there any... Oh, yeah, no. They, I was going to say, they, they couldn't have missed finals, no matter what. Okay. I'm just looking at the win-losses here. Because yeah. they were two... They were basically... Two games ahead yeah. of, thought, of 
Collingwood. But they could have got a double chance yeah. if they'd won. Yep. So it seems like a strange choice. Yep. A match winner, um, a tough finals player. Ken Hands. Yeah. yeah. Um, so the fact that the Bombers smashed them um, and Hands hadn't played and kind of should have played, the media absolutely lambasted Hands for not playing. He was livid at Francis for, for having dropped him, him yeah. and thus began a feud between these former friends that would you know, oh. boil on. How strange. Mm. Uh, leading goal kicker. The leading goal kicker for the Blues was Gerald Burke with 34. Gerald Burke, we've never heard that. Mm. Have we? Well, 34 goal. I mean, it's enough. It's, no, but it's Gerald right. Burke, I No, I know. We haven't, we haven't heard it before. Okay. Yeah. Lucky. Gerald. Moving up. Not, All right. not having the Argus, is that affecting any, anything? We just heard about the age there. Not having the Argus, are we missing it? Like, I'm missing it. Yeah. I mean, just sentiment. Yeah. Mm. Good stories in the Argus. Now we've. Right. Hawthorne. Hawthorne finished third, on, also on 11 wins and seven losses. What? But a slightly higher percentage of 116.7 compared to Carlton. Hawthorne in the Hawthorne. finals. Hawthorne. Yeah, third. We're a happy team at Hawthorne. We're a mighty fighting horse. Um, do you think Hawthorne have just been waiting all this time for TV? Yes, like, no one can see us being bad. <laughs> We're not we interested. As, we can be as terrible as we want. And now we'll figure it out. And yeah, now Brown we'll figure it out. Brown doesn't come up in black and white. No. Yeah. Hey, true. Yeah. So, coached by Jack Hale <laughs> and captained by John Kennedy, their best and fairest was Alf Hughes. Why did no one, when Hawthorne were going through their three-peat, why did no one after the first or second premiership go, let's just, no more TV. And see what happens. Yeah. yeah, we know Hawthorne are no good if there's no TV. That'll stop them. Imagine. <laughs> Imagine the AFL being like, look, we're just not going to televise this a year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, some debutants were Terry Ingersoll and Cyril Collard. In round one, the Hawks caused something of an upset, as we said, knocking off Carlton at Princess Park by 36 points, 15-12-102 to 10-6-66. Only the second time the club had ever beaten Carlton at this venue in 33 years. I'm imagining they're going to be breaking a lot of records mm. over the next couple of years. Ingersoll kicked five on d- debut as well. Hey. Taking home the, uh, the Rising Star nomination for round one in 1957. Uh, round, round two, the Hawks kicked appallingly. Nine goals, 22. But still beat Richmond by those 22 points at Glen Ferry. Uh, this put the Hawks on top of the ladder for only the second time ever and the first time in 17 years. Oh. Well, surely oh. the only other time would have been after round one yeah, as so. well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 We're feeling relieved now. They're finally they're here. They're, they're nope. Re- no. No. No feeling great about it. No. Oh, <laughs> uh, they then lost the next week to 10th place Kangaroos by nine. But in round four, they claimed their biggest scalp yet in a slogging low-scoring affair. They beat the reigning premiers Melbourne by 18 points at Glenferry to reclaim top spot. Wow. They're right there. Round six, they played some great footy to knock off top-placed Essendon at Windy Hill by eight points <laughs> after kicking only four goals in the first three quarters as well. They kicked seven goals to two in the last quarter to come from behind in Winmos. They had a comfortable win over the Doggies the following week in round seven and it had the dogs, the Hawks back on top where they'd stay for three weeks. So they've spent five weeks on top of the ladder. Who knows what's going on here. What? Um, with wins over South by tw- 21 points oh. and Fitzroy by 48 However, then followed four successive losses, put them clear on... Yeah. Uh, in round 11, they took on the Magpies. A capacity crowd of 27,000 people jammed into the uh, that little sardine tin there that you go past on the train cars. That's right. Glen Ferry. Uh, and the Hawks had a, a problem leading up to the first bounce. They couldn't find their coach. Jack Hale was nowhere to be found. 
Um, news came through that uh, he had been in a motor accident on his way to the game and couldn't make it in time. So John Kennedy had to step in as coach. Hey. Um, for the first three quarters, the game was in, in the balance. Collingwood led by four points at the final break. And as players prepared for a tough final quarter, who should waltz in the door or onto the ground? Jack Hale. Finally made it to the ground for the last quarter. Uh, <laughs> but his presence didn't lift the team at all. They lost uh, by 19 points. Uh, but interesting uh, first game coached by John Kennedy, who would go on to be an absolute legend yes, of the game. Yes, coach, yeah, absolutely. Um, things looked a bit dire at this stage. The side was sixth after round 13, but with five rounds to play, the Hawks won four and lost their fifth by only two points. The wins including beating top two teams, Melbourne at the MCG and Essendon at the Glenferry ground. Um, Graham Arthur, three weeks out from finals, was nursing a bit of a hamstring injury. He sustained in the match against Carlton in round 12. He missed four weeks, but was back for round 16. But playing a bit within himself. Hale picked, the, picked, this, uh, picked him up on it at training before the round 18 game and really put the acid on him, Charlie. Uh, told his young star to pick up his act, accusing him of being timid and bludging. Ooh. Arthur pre- proceeded to train the house down and Hale wryly smiled and told him, now we play football. <laughs> the footy they played, however, was terrible. <laughs> they lost to the Dogs in round seven, so they had a chance for a double. They had, the, they could have won. They had a double chance, most. Yeah, well, and they'd already beaten the, the yeah. other yeah. great teams. They could have won. Um, yeah, imagine they lost to a Footscray side that was seventh on the ladder by two points after being up by thirty-one <laughs> points at three-quarter time. Doggies kicked five goals, four to one, behind in the final quarter. Um, of the home and race season to knock the Hawks off the uh, double chance, dropping them from second to four. Third, on a positive note, the percentage at the end of round 18, 116.7, was easily the best ever to that point, and only the second time they'd ever had a percentage over 100. <laughs> I was going to say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 And the first time would have been the year before, I'm imagining. Possibly, yeah. yeah. Uh, they had 103.88 in 1943. Oh, okay. Yeah. They were so close, they could have yeah. they could have won it as well. Mm. Nice. Yep. Crazy. So lead goal kicker this year was Terry Ingersoll with 33. Mm. Great. Okay. Finishing not first, but second oh, was Essendon. <laughs> also with sorry about it. Also with eleven wins, seven losses, and 118.3%. Imagine nice. having to play the whole song. <laughs> yeah, it's exhausting. Terrible times. You need a bag. Yeah, so, that's called the bagpipes. <laughs> so, yeah. You do. You need the bag part of the pipe. Coached by... Uh, I have to play the right notes. Coached by the king, Dick Reynolds, Ooh. again. Captain by Bill Hutchison, Thanks the other king. The prince, mm. we'll call him. Uh, and their best and finest, fairest winner this year was <laughs> Ray Bur- Reg Burgess. Well, sorry. Who was their finest? <laughs> the best and thinnest player. No, I don't know. <laughs> All right, some debutantes. We've got Brian Donahue, Frank Driscoll, and John Britt. John Britt? I have not got anything on John Britt. I'm sorry. I couldn't find him. All right. Legend, sorry, of, legend, legend of the Bombers. <laughs> um, and we'll... I'll, yeah, talk more about him yes. in next episodes. And if you're His name jump. starts with a B. Oh. <laughs> Better uh, if it was a Melbourne player. You, <laughs> yeah. you look him up. It's another Brit. Look him up. <laughs> uh, now, you said Dick Reynolds uh, was coach again. He actually had to apply for his job. We talked about this last ah, episode. Ah, yes. Um, in he, pre-season, he applied for his job, and he was again appointed. So 
obviously the best man for the job. Alex Eppis again appealed to the ANFC but was knocked back. Seven. Oh, to leave. Yeah. Uh, no, to play because the uh, WA had blocked his transfer. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, yep. Uh, and he was knocked back again. Yes. Two years in a row. Bill Brittingham? No, he retired. <laughs> Britt. J O H N. Cornelius Con Britt from Collingwood. Yes, Arthur Cornelius Britt. Britt. Melbourne and St. Kilda. Gerald Britt from North. <laughs> None of these Brits. There's so many Brits. Brits. Yeah, I know, right? And then there's Britain. And then Britta. You keep looking. Round one. <laughs> the Bombers on a momentous day took on Victoria, uh, Collingwood at Victoria Park in the very first televised match ever. Walter Bristow? And although, shut up, and although trailing by two points at three-quarter time, they treated the TV audience to a goal fest in the final quarter. The Bombers kicking six goals to one to run out winners, the very first televised victor, victors ever. There we go. Yep. Good. Take it. Yep. Uh, Stan Booth kicked five, Frank Driscoll with four. It was the Bombers' first win at Vic Park since 1948. Oh, wow. They beat the Fitzroy Lions before the Demons <laughs> put them in their place with a 45-point drawing. Following this, the Bombers were laboured... So the, the Demons did beat the Bombers. I will point this out because... Yes. Following this game, the Bombers were labelled the Gliders by ah. Pete Bai in the Sporting Globe. They're just gliding along. Ah. Yeah. And they didn't like this nickname. Uh, they beat Fitzroy... Uh, to this date... They had twin seven-goal wins over Footscray and South to put them on top of the ladder. In the win over South, Fred Gallagher kicked six of the nine goals uh, in the last quarter because they had a massive last quarter. So he kicked six goals in the last. Fred Gallagher kicked six out of nine of the team's last quarter goals to lead the dogs to victory. A performance labelled as one of the best since John Coleman's days. Against Which Ge- weren't that long ago, really. No, not really. No. <laughs> Same decade. Yeah. Against Geelong in round eight, Fred Gallagher then went even better, kicked 12. For the game. In Amazing. Strong Love game. it. Not then, gliding anymore. Not, well, look, I'll get back to that <laughs> yeah, as well. They dropped games to teams such as North, Hawthorne and Richmond, but had one eye on the Demons again in round 14, those pesky bloody Demons. Mm. This game was a classic. <laughs> the Bombers were in front much of the day, but the Ooh, yes. Melbourne Demons just kind of kept up with them. Yes, they did. In the desperate closing stages of the game, with the Bombers <laughs> clutching to a five-point lead, the ball was deep in the Demons' attack. Couldn't when, get it out. When heroic <laughs> rover Stan Booth was accused of deliberately kick, dropping the ball out of bounds. He absolutely did. <laughs> I saw it. The resultant free kick saw the Demons slot a miracle goal and ultimately win the game by two points. Gallagher did have a chance in the dying seconds to snatch the lead back, but he missed. And Bombers fans were furious. It was Webby, I think. Webby we'll from, talk, the, from the boundary. We'll, we'll talk, talk about, about it later. Yeah, it's it's going to be great, though. <laughs> The Bombers won two of their next three with their final match against Carlton to decide their position in the four. In this game, they dominated all day with 11 scoring shots to two in the opening quarter, going on to win by 61. Bob Lewis with five, John Britt with four. The Bombers snatched the double chance because Hawthorne had lost. Um, Also, uh, I have a version of the Bombers, a song the Bombers sung this season. See, the gliders glide. (laughs) Don't sing it in such a... Well, if they're gliders, that's exactly what you yeah. do. I'm not going to get the book. Hey. Yeah. I didn't bring. That's all right. John Britt. Just Essendon legend no one will ever forget. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> right up, John, if you're watching, please Here it is. There it is. Con- Here's a song. Con-Brit. Shut up, Con. Shut up. Shut up. Con. <laughs> There's a premiership next year, not far away, and our boys are after it, out Essendon way. 
Good night, Bulldogs, Blues and Demons when we play, for we are the same old Essendon today. Oh, so they're using the same old? Where to the fore, as in the days of old, we will win that premiership as sure as gold. <laughs> and a flag next May we're going to unfold, for we are the same old Essendon of old. So, the, yeah, okay. So no, still no bombers? Well, we're the bombers, but... Yeah, but not like, they're not song, really no. talking about it. Nah, we're not. They really bomb when it comes to... Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, leading goal kicker. Leading goal kicker this year was Fred Gallagher with 34. Okay. Mm. Yeah. You ready? Here we go. You do. Uh, Kaz. Seven to- oh, yes. Hi, Tim. Um, oh, hey, we're on. Hey, from kick to kick here. Yeah, Just a quick uh, footnote to our section on Essendon that we've recorded. I'd like to offer you an apology. I know I gave you a bit of a hard time about not finding out about John Britt. <laughs> um, yeah. I went home and looked him up and oh, it thanks appears... For saying that. It's John Burt, so B-I-R-T, not B-R-I-T, hence why you couldn't oh, find him. So, my humblest so- apologies, um, <laughs> humble, humble apologies, Kaz. Apology accepted. Apologies to John Burt well and all Essendon fans out there. Yeah. Uh, it's not the first time, either. No. <laughs> uh, so, yes, good little footnote there. It won't happen again. Mullis, who, who finished on top of the ladder? Melbourne Football Club with 12 wins, one lo- one draw, five losses and 138.8%. Let's stop there. All right, some debutants. Oh, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Hang on. Coached by Norm Smith. Captain by... John Beckwith. Best and fairest winner, John Beckwith. And I won't tell you who won the goal kicking. Goal kicking. All right. Ooh. Some debutants were Bill Byrne, Peter Benchley, Ian Thorogood, and Jeff Turnbridge, who insisted... Tunbridge. Tunbridge? Yeah. Okay. Insisted on pay- playing as an amateur. Ooh. He, You know, it's the Melbourne way. It is yeah. the Melbourne way. Uh, the only accepted payment he would accept was cover to cover his petrol on his way home to Be- Ballarat, because he was from Ballarat. Hmm. And remember, they lost a wealth of experience from the previous season. McMahon, Melville, Stuart Spencer, Jeff McGiven, Ralph Lane, and Dennis Cordner. Yeah. Mm. So we're talking... Hinge. Yeah. I think two... Well, two captains of the club. Mm. They're best and fairest. Yeah. Well, McMahon was their captain, Melville vice-captain, Stuart Could Spencer... Cordner had been captain at one stage, Yes, yeah, sorry, yeah. you're right, yeah. yeah. Um, so they used 27 players the previous season. This season they used 36, 36 including yeah. 13 debutants. Yeah, so trying, oh. to, trying to fill those mm. spots... Yeah. So this was the was year, tricky. like, if you're going to pick off Melbourne, this is the year to do it. Mm, this was it. Hawthorne licked their lips. Um, and there were chicks in the armour. Beckwith and Barassi, the youngest leadership team in the league. Mm. 24 and 21, respectively. Huh. Round one, things didn't get off to a good start, though. They uh, lost to Fitzroy by three points. Uh, first time in a while the reigning premiers lost their opening game. Yeah. Round two, they responded to this shock loss by introducing four first gamers, making their debut in a hard slog of a match against the Pies. Dees went into this game with a 17-point lead in the last quarter and had to withstand a bit of a comeback, but the, and the Pies got within two points before the Dees, you know, emerged with victory. Yeah. yeah. And then smashed the up-and-coming Bombers by 45, stumbled to the Hawks at Glen Ferry, kicking just four goals nine for that match. Uh, then big wins against South and St Kilda. Uh, um, but people weren't convinced that they were premiership no, material. No, uh, This increased with a loss then to Richmond. Well, there were whispers even before the season started. They're, they're, well, they're saying this is turnover. their... Yeah. Mm. yeah. They, they've kind of done their dash. Yeah. 
Um, Johnson, Ridley and Dixon helped seal a win over Carlton, kicking off a five-win streak with wins over Geelong North, the Doggies and the Lions. Round 13, we talked about that battle with the Magpies. Title day. Pies took a 10-point lead in the last quarter, only for Ian Ridley to snap a goal from the pack in the dying seconds to earn a draw. And the final siren sparked a melee involving fans, players and police. <laughs> Don Williams and Ron Barassi were knocked to the ground and trainer Les Green was also attacked. And the umpire was pelted with rubbish. Well oh. done, Collingwood supporters. <laughs> <laughs> then they had that controversial win over Essendon as well. I mean, what is, what is Melbourne doing? So... Stan Booth was pinged for delivery out of bounds and Athol Webb got the ball when it probably should have gone to the closest player in Jeff Tunbridge. Oh, okay, uh, okay. It was one of those situations. Maybe that's the controversial part. Yeah. No, there was and chat. Then, yeah, sorry. So there was chat about the fact that uh, the umpire who, uh, who was it? I can't remember who the umpire was. Do you have it there? Um, oh, Schwab. It was, um, it was uh, Peter Schwab's father, Cameron Schwab's grandfather. Was, wow, the, was the cool. field co- was the was the umpire Rigged. apparently it was quite close to the Melbourne bench and Norm was okay. really screaming for it yeah. so ah. they, they think that he could have been uh, pushed to, to giving it but it was there it was there well, I saw it well, I swear apparently Webb as well crept in a bit when the umpire wasn't looking to open the angle slotted the miracle goal won the game Oh my he was good at so sneaking good. them through mm. um, then the Hawks handed them their first loss at the MCG in two years they bounced back with to win in horrible conditions over St Kilda in that game where there was a, a massive brawl at the end. Demons held the Saints to one goal five for the game. <laughs> then a loss to South Melbourne by four points meant that they were not assured of a top spot finish and had to make sure to account for Richmond in the final round. Mm. The Tigers stayed with them in the first half through speed and aggression, but a handy early lead kept the Demons in front long enough to run the visitors off their legs. They managed to kick straight for a change with 12 goals, 18, which was Melbourne's equal highest score against the Tigers in 17 years and their biggest win since 1927 over the Tigers. I've been looking forward to hearing about this. I know know it is Melbourne, but um, how a team stays up for Mm. so long. Well, this is the same conversation, I mean, a year earlier, but the same conversation we were having with the machine. It's like, how do you do it? This one, this year, a bit of luck, a bit of this. Yeah. They had such a mix. These had such a mix of youth and experience, though, as well. Yeah. Now that experience is gone, the youth now had that experience. And that was it. It's like yeah. you fit in where you need to fit in. Yeah. They find a spot. Yeah. Um, the D's finals record, final record of twelve wins, one draw, five losses, is the worst record by a minor premier in the eighty-seven seasons that comprise of at least eighteen games. I was going to say because there were a lot of teams who did quite poorly, and then like a reasonably strong middle which means you don't yeah they didn't need to do that much to, to finish on top yeah. 12 wins is yeah mm. leading goal kicker the lead goal kicker for us was uh, Athel Webb with 56 yeah, yeah. that gets us to the uh, top of the ladder which was us yeah yeah <laughs> Moz Brownlow Downlow Brownlow Downlow okay so this year Brian Gleeson won the Brownlow he was um Picked in 1953, I think from a Ballarat team. Unsure, need to fact check that. Um, Picked in 1953 and St Kilda plucked him. Um, He then improved greatly over those three or four years until this year he was an absolute weapon. (laughs) Um, Like previous Brownlow winner Roy Wright, Gleeson played mainly in the ruck, but with some games as a centre-half forward. He was six foot two and he had outstanding snap stamina and speed. He played 15 games this season. He was injured in three of them. In Sorry, he was injured in three and missed them. And he polled in 10 of those 15 games that he played. Best on ground in six of the 10 that he played. 
Yeah, six of the ten that he polled yeah. in. Yeah. Um, he finished this season with 24 Brownlow votes. Roy Wright finished on 20 and Carlton's Johnny James on 19 votes. Gleeson and Wright had a particularly exciting battle of the rucks this season when Richmond took on St Kilda. In that game, Gleeson got three votes and Wright got two, but it was a real fight to the finish to see who would get the votes. Um, Gleeson remembers that nearing the end of the game, he um, had a pretty heavy fall and Wright helped him up saying, I wouldn't like anything to happen to you at this stage. (laughs) Wright later said that he got in trouble for helping his rival up. Um, John Johnny James or John James, who finished on nineteen votes, was Brian Gleason's footy captain when they were at school. Oh, yeah. And now, yeah, Gleason was named St Kilda captain at the end of this season because he was so wonderful and he was also a very respected member of the team. But very unfortunately, in the first practice game of the nineteen fifty eight season, a rookie injured Gleason's knee, and although he tried to come back, he was never able to play oh. footy again. Yeah, so that was it. He was 22. Oh. 22? 22 years old. Come on. Jeez, imagine. Heartbreaking. Yeah. Mm. And Moz, do you have a... Uh, you. That was good. Yeah, that, that was a good one. Really do you have a Bunton medal winner for us? I do, and the Bunton medal winner was Roy Wright from Richmond. Oh. Mm. Right. Um, and Charlie, night series. The night series happened again. It did. Oh, yes. yes. Successful last season. Successful. Yeah, apparently due to the perceived popularity. I'm okay. not sure why the word oh. perceived is in there. Interesting. But yes, due to the popularity of the uh, of the 1956 season, all 12 clubs played in this one. So not just the ones who missed out on finals. Yeah. Ooh. Um, yeah. So it was a it was a bit of a uh, one sided. A dividend sharing arrangement it meant that the night series clubs actually received more money than those competing in the VFL finals so oh. here was the example so a bottom eight club that lost their opening round match in the 56 competition banked around 700 pounds with the winning club making as much as 2,000 um, pounds so it was considerably well, more than the top four that had to divide their finals takings among all 12 clubs ah uh, yeah so that, yeah, interesting. Uh, the 57 series was marred by bad weather with two matches having to be abandoned, only an average of 16,000 spectators attending each of the 11 matches that were played. <laughs> uh, they competed for the KG Luke Trophy, valued at 75 pounds and donated by VFL president Kenneth Luke, so he's named the trophy after himself. <laughs> yep. In a, in a great show of humbleness. Uh, and uh, the winning team received a 200 pound cash prize. So the final, the the grand final was South versus Geelong, and South managed to win it again, defeating Geelong's eight four fifty two to their fifteen thirteen one hundred and three. Played at the Lakeside Oval again. I wonder why, whether that's why they managed to get the job done. Yeah, that would make sense, didn't yeah. it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And this is the last time for quite a while that all teams will be involved. Yes. I mean, Essendon and Melbourne skipped the first... I think Essendon came in at, like, the preliminary final round as oh, well. Oh, did they? Yeah, yeah. Because they were playing a grand final, so they couldn't play another series. Yeah, of course. Mm. So a bit of a joke. But. Well, and also, if you're going for the flag, like, why would you even be bothering? You'd be playing your, your reserves Absolutely. almost, wouldn't you? Nine yeah. Teams. Finals! 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 All right. You going to play that final song we got, Kaz? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> um, so in August, learning from the success of the Olympic Games and in order to counter the problems of overnight queues outside the MCG, uh, the 
VFL sell reserve tickets through the mail for the final series for the first time, ah. which would also greatly assist country people who could now book seats and accommodation well in advance. Yes, and not be thinking, well, I'm going to go and line up, and if I don't get a seat, I'm just stuck in the city. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Um, also, fun fact, the Demons were the only finalists from 56 to make the finals in 57. Mm -hmm. ah. So let's start with the semi-final. So the very first semi-final, Hawthorne versus Carlton. Uh, attendance, 69,455 people at the MCG. Yes, um, and there's actually footage of this game as well, which we might uh, narrate over. Mm. So Hawthorne started well, Charlie, kicking five goals to nil in the first quarter. What? The Blues had missed three sitters in the first quarter, and although they evened the game up, they could not claw back any of the lead by half-time. Uh, a huge storm at the major break played into Hawthorne's hands. Carlton was trying hard yeah, to peg back the lead on a saturated oval. What are you going to do? Captains Kennedy and uh, Kenny Hands had to virtually coerce their sides back onto the ground and the surface had become a quagmire. <laughs> After kicking two goals in the third, the Blues supporters' hopes were raised, but the team couldn't make it any further back. Uh, and the Hawks went on to win by 23 points. It's also no surprise that Carlton fell knowing that uh, Hands and Francis were feuding. Yeah. yeah so thing. basically, Hawthorne held on to their quarter-time lead the entire the entire game. Yeah. Uh, final scores being uh, Hawthorne's 10-11, 71, far too much for Carlton's 6-12, 48. Mm. So the second semi, Melbourne versus Essendon. Correct. Mm. MCG, my team this versus game. my team. Yeah. This game right yeah. here. <laughs> Sorry, this game yeah. right here. Um. So, uh, yeah, on the next week, yeah, that's, he's in his shoulders are getting back. Oh, and that's it. Oh. What's he, what's he what's doing? What's he doing? What's he doing? You're talking. Oh, on the 7th of September, uh, we had at a 2.30 start, as usual, in front of 70,232 people, Ooh. Melbourne came out against... A mighty bombers. No, look at this score. All right. No, they weren't. Footage, footage available for this as well. So let's uh, have a quick look as oh, we talk yes. about it. Yeah. Uh, having been beaten and battered by the Demons in recent times, the Bombers were primed to take it up to the Ds this time. Ooh. Sick of it. Especially that last game where they bloody robbed us. Uh, <laughs> Essendon surprised Melbourne with their courage early. Uh, back pocket Bob Sutter really showed this early, like dashing in three times to take marks in contests. Uh, it was a very even first quarter, Kaz. But in that second quarter... The Bombers just unleashed. They kicked nine goals, three, to take control of this game. Very similar to the uh, the third quarter of the 1946 Grand Final where we <laughs> smashed the Demons as well. Jack Clark was on top in the centre. Hutchie and Britt were dominating his Rovers. They're already thinking about the Grand Final. Just enjoy this. Just enjoy it. <laughs> Uh, in an effort to rally the troops, John Beckwith uh, in the in the rooms at yes. halftime climbed on top of the locker bench and led a rendition of the it's grand, a old flag. grand old uh. flag. A sing along with the losing team, uh, they threw pillows. They had a bit of a pillow fight as well, <laughs> <Stop>. <laughs> um, and really cut the tension and went out and actually reshuffled things and gave them a new lease on life. They cut the gap to four goals at three quarter time. With ten minutes left in the game, they were only ten points down and could have snatched an unlikely win. But bombers were pretty good. We had a tough, tight defence. Um, we wasted a few shots. Bad, in front of yeah, goal look, in the bad last kicking quarter. cost you. Eight goals, nineteen. Uh, eight, another eight shots which failed to register a score, and you hit the post four times. Yeah, killer. Uh, but the, look, but the bombers. Yeah, sorry, the bombers just yeah. taking it up to these so, bloody D's after. Well, that's it. Complacent, complacent demons. And probably, as we were saying earlier, Charlie, the best thing that could have happened to Melbourne. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's right. Absolutely. Let's not say you're a bit lucky. So the prelim, Melbourne versus Hawthorne. Yeah. Melbourne just. Absolutely. Before we do that, it was the only the only semi final D's would ever lose on the North Smith. That's as well. right. Yes, exactly. 
After I think he went, they went to twelve. No, less than that. Okay. I don't can't. Th- yeah, it was a lot, and it was the only one they lost. Yeah. Ah. So Melbourne, yeah, not hadn't been in a prelim in a little while. Hadn't had to do that. No. Had the break. Against uh, Hawthorne of all things. Against Hawthorne, exactly. <laughs> so in front of seventy four thousand and ninety people. Melbourne and Hawthorne. Mm. What happened? Look, <laughs> it was a. There was a massacre. Drubbing. The Demons kicked with a strong wind in the first term, but were restricted to four goals, the first taking 18 minutes to come as well. And just as it looked like the Hawks would take advantage of Melbourne, uh, they booted seven goals into the wind in the second quarter to take control of the game. Hmm. Melbourne were a far superior outfit, well-planned, executed game plan that included spreading Hawthorne's defence and tagging their stars Graham Arthur and Phil O'Brien. Hawthorne had their chance with the win, but they ran into a rock-solid defence and only booted three of their own goals. Didn't help that John Kennedy broke his hand early in the yeah. game. Uh, the second quarter onslaught really, uh, really did them over. Melbourne kicked nine unanswered goals between the third and second and third quarters. Uh, the final margin was 69 points. The Hawks rued their mat- lack of match preparation and tactical planning. The loss affected the players badly and the finishing, finished the season realising how far away they actually were from real success. We thought we could play football until that day, Graham Arthur would later say. We came away realising we still had a long way to go and a lot more to do. After the game as well, the Hawks complained to the MCC attendant um, because he stopped players watching the last of the seconds final. Um, they wanted to know how the turf was, how the ball was bouncing, and the the MC, MCC attendant yeah. said, no, no, you go away. Um, Melbourne administrator Bert Chadwick was forced to issue a statement denying that his side had anything to do with this ruling. So, <coughs> bullshit. <laughs> Interestingly, earlier in the year, Norm Smith had got footage of a Hawthorne game to mm. try and work out the way they were playing in the middle because... Uh, Kennedy was often tapping down to their second ruck, who I'm losing, okay. I'm forgetting the name of at this stage. And that was how they were getting away, getting out of the middle really quickly and cleanly. And he, so they played to that. It definitely didn't help that Kennedy had broke his hand. No. Broke his hand, but yeah. mm. he'd thought about how to play that anyway. And it, they were already playing it quite well. Oh, wow. So very interesting, very that. Tactical. All right, which gets us to the grandest of finals. Yes, the grand, the final. absolute grandest. <laughs> Essendon versus Melbourne, MCG. Yes, a crowd of a crowd of one hundred thousand three hundred and twenty-four people. Uh, now we usually this time we talk, we crack out the way back when machine, yeah, and we, we talk. That, yeah. Well, good question, Kaz. Now. The Wayback Men were machine. Look, it was this big, clunky old thing mm-hmm. we used to have, Miles. I don't think you ever saw it. No. Um, but we've got it reduced just down to a nice app now. Yeah, it's fantastic. <laughs> so Everything gonna, comes in app form. Yeah, we're going we're gonna to boot up this app, and we're going we're gonna to speak to John Beckwith, just uh, fresh out for this game in 1957. Mm-hmm. All righty. Let's give him a call. Is it working? Is that? Uh, John. Yes. Hey, John, third year in a row for the Mighty D's. What a treat to be talking to you today. How does it feel to equal the great record of your coach's playing days with another three flags in a row? I mean, wonderful uh, experience, really. Probably the highlight of my career. Some people had written you guys off before the season had started with a huge exodus of great players. Tell us, how were you feeling internally? In '56, we won the premiership, and we had probably one of the best teams that, that ever played. And all of a sudden, we lose six top players, and uh, we had to sort of start again. And no one expected uh, no. really. How did you cover those huge losses, though, John? But when you look at who came in, 
that was the thing that made the difference. Jeff Tunbridge, a 25-year-old, yeah. who coached up at Ballarat, he drove down, he got a car allowance, I think, or, that, or a drinking allowance, <laughs> one or the other, and uh, he, he pr proved a revelation, really, on the half-forward flank. And uh, obviously, with Noel retiring, the captaincy was up for grabs. Uh, before you found out, what did you think about your chances? I, I I never really thought much about it, but I had I, the previous year I'd been I was runner up in the best and fairest to Stewie Spencer, and I lost by half a vote. And spent they promised Spencer a clearance if he played that year to go to Tassie. So. In some way, I suppose I was the favourite, but I never really thought much about it. You know. Uh, you and you both seem to thrive on that role as well. Uh, you getting the BNF and Ron getting runner-up. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, and uh, I think I finished about fourth in the Brownlow. The last two years, fifty-six and fifty-seven. So I had a, a good period. But you know, we, we we were new chums to the game, but it didn't matter. We had such a a good side in the end. Now, tell us about the start of the year. It was a bit stuttered, coming out 4-3 and losing to a young Fitzroy in the season opener. So, we, we didn't start well in 57. We lost the first game and uh, we struggled to play, you know, reasonable football and then all of a sudden it sort of clicked. Uh... You figured it out against Carlton, though, and won five in a row. We struggled to play, you know, reasonable football, and then all of a sudden it sort of clicked. Now, one thing we feel like we have to mention was that incredible goal from the boundary of Webbs against Essendon. Uh, tell us, do you think the free was there? Do we need to ask him that? Yes. Well, prior to that, uh, I'd, been, I'd kicked a couple of balls pretty close to the boundary, and uh, the crowd had, Essendon crowd had got very vocal about the three kicks and the yeah. umpire was Frank Swab, who happened to be my best man at my level. Uh, and he was umpiring and I'd kicked a couple close to the boundary and the crowd went mad. <laughs> but right at the very end, uh, this little rover bloke, uh, Essendon bloke, I can't think of his name, Stan Booth, that's right. And, it, and he, it, it, he, he picked up the ball and the goals are here and the stands here and he run straight at the stand and kicked it up into the stand. I mean, it was the most blatant, yeah. stupid thing. <laughs> yeah. And the other part of the story was that it wasn't really Ethel Webb's kick because someone was closer. Anyway, Webby kicked uh, the goal. The crowd went mad. The police on horses came out. They surrounded the umpire. There was a, it was almost a riot, yeah. really. We got off the ground very quickly. And uh, I saw Frank on the Monday at work, and he said I was in the in the umpire's room for five hours. Ah, yeah, whatever. So, <laughs> taking us uh, into the finals, what do you think caused the shock loss to Essendon in the semi? The second semi-final against Eston, we, we, we were red-hot favourites yeah. uh, and uh, they came out and uh, killed us. They kicked 10 goals, 6 to 2 goals, 6 at half-time. And everyone's looking at one another and saying, what the hell's going on? <laughs> a towel fight in the, in, in the rooms at half-time. Yeah. That was another thing that was featured. We, we started to get a bit silly because we were going so bad. And we nearly nearly pulled the game off it. Uh, we didn't quite make it. But that was a hell of a shock. 
Oh, thanks for the honesty, John. So then you guys put Hawthorne to the sword, but you came out a bit sore. Tell us, what happened? We had to play Hawthorne, and uh, they, that was, the, I think, the first time they'd been in the... In the and uh, they, they started off at a great rate. We had the wind, and, and, and they, they kicked more goals than us at the quarter time. Yeah. And everyone said, geez, you know, they got the wind, we're going to be in trouble. Anyway, we had a marvellous second quarter, and uh, we finished up you know, three or four goals in front at half-time, so... That we turned it around from there and we went on and won the game well. That was the thing that I still remember. <laughs> I, I, I tore a groin muscle. I, I'd never had one before, didn't know what the hell was going on, could hardly walk. And uh, I had treatment every day for the whole week. But uh, by, the, by the time Thursday come, uh, I, I could just barely jog. And... Uh, they said, well, come down early and try yourself out and hide yourself from the press, <laughs> which I did. And uh, so we had the selection ready and they uh, meeting and they said, well, look, if you, if you pull out, it's going to be a big, big, big news. So I, they said, well, Smitty said, well, have a, a trial on Saturday morning down the South Melbourne ground at 10 o'clock. It likes that over. Okay, yeah. 10 o'clock in the morning, Saturday morning. Yeah. So, and Bluey Adams had a calf muscle. <laughs> and we, we go down there and put on our gear, and there's only a couple of selectors there and Smithy, and we're trying to run up and down. And <laughs> Bluey faked it pretty well, but, but I, I, I had strapping, and the doctor said, look, you know, the strapping's not helping. And I stretched out a bit. But, uh, the doctor said, look, I'll give you a needle at before the game and half time and you'll be right you yeah. know, you'll be right <laughs> anyway I, I got to the game and had the needle and uh, somehow got through I don't know how yeah. so I couldn't walk for six weeks after I could hardly walk you know. Did Norm give you any advice in the lead up? Uh, his only words to me were play it tight um, now the game itself seemed done from almost the start um, with Barassi kicking that extraordinary goal in the first 20 seconds. Yes, did. Tell us about that. How did that feel on the ground? We had the ball up the forward line. Uh, Johnny Lord played a wonderful game and uh, he wanted to come off at half-time actually. Okay. But, uh, we convinced him to uh, he should play on. Uh, things like that happen and uh, that it it was such a decisive win that I was saved the embarrassment of losing a grand final. But yeah, once we got going and we we, we just dominated the the first you know, 20 minutes and uh, that was it. We, we realised we had a winning lead. We were playing well and uh, we kicked it. We kicked 17 goals, I think. I was able to sit back and yeah. uh, I think there was some story on the bench that get Becky off the, off the ground because he, you know, he's injured. And they said, oh, no, leave him on. Yeah. Leave him on to enjoy it. <laughs> so on that note, John, who do you think was best on field? So uh, that... Uh, and then we... Uh, Brassy kicked three goals in the first quarter. We kicked 6-1. Yeah, just bang. And he kicked five for the match, best on the ground. Uh, Ian really kicked four, and Athelweb kicked three. We thought that you would say that we just had to check. Uh, 
Oh, sorry. Um, And now, anyway, silliness aside, now Percy Beams has said that if you could win it this year in the most vulnerable year, then there's no telling how many flags you could win. Is that the feeling inside the club? Well, I don't know about it was quite that easy, but uh, I've always said right through the watching football that injuries play a big part. Well, mate, as a D supporter, that's an attitude I absolutely love to hear. Yeah. Thanks so much, Johnny, and congratulations again. Well done. Thank you. Well, I better go. Fine. Great. All right, here's some stats from that game as well. That is a good app. Yeah, it is, isn't it? It's, it's <laughs> so much easier than the big clunky box we used to have to lug around with us. <laughs> yeah. It's worth the five ninety nine you've got to it pay is, on the yeah. app store. Put that yeah. box up on eBay and put it towards the proceeds of the podcast. <laughs> Maybe. Um, so, final score... Essendon, 7 goals, 13-55. To Melbourne's 17-14-116. Uh, goals were... So what's double 55? It's 110, right? Yeah. So we more than doubled just... Is that the maths there? Is it more than double the Essendon score? Yeah, great. Uh, goals as well are still like this. You can do Melbourne. Yeah. Barassi kick five, Ridley with four, Webb with three, Johnson with two, Tunbridge with two, and Case with one. And for the Bombers, uh, Gallagher three, John Britt... One. <laughs> Clark, Gill, and Hebert also kicked one. So, Melbourne's best for Rob Barassi. Yeah, Bob Johnson, Dick Fenton-Smith, the young man, John Lord, who got that rev up at halftime, Ian Ridley, and Brian Wilson. It's the one that got away to him, really, isn't it? No, the 48's the one that got away. Yeah, yeah isn't it? <laughs> uh, finals notes. Alan Nash became the last umpire to officiate all games in the final series. Oh. The free kick count in the grand final was 28-12 Essendon's way, and we still got slaughtered. It's always been the way. We talked about this, in, I reckon, in 1919. Yeah. Melbourne, like, we never get the freeze. It's still um, the way. Melbourne, the first and only club to win three successive flags twice, with Norm the only man to be part of two three-peats. And the game's tally was exactly the same in 39-40-41. Yeah. So it was like 49 wins, 12 losses, both times yep. in those three years. Yep. Incredible. Mm. Um, other winners this year, we had St Kilda defeating South in the under-19s, 55-47. to 47. North defeating Fitzroy by four points in the reserves. So some teams you don't really see it doing stuff in the seniors. And the Mighty Bombers taking home the McClellan Trophy. Oh, fantastic. So we get, we get some of it. Yeah, but I reckon the McClellan should get a little, more, little bit more recognition. Yeah, all right. Yeah. <laughs> Good organisation. <laughs> all right, um, do we want to go through some retirees or wrap yes. up? What are, all right, here we go. This, this is the big one. This is the big list, actually. Can you play some quiet, uh, subtle recorder for me while I go through these players? No. <laughs> All right. Bill Hutchinson of Essendon. Yes. 290 games, 496 goals, two Brownlows, four flags. Not bad. Bill Stephen, Fitzroy's captain and coach, 162 yeah. games, four goals. Keith Drinnan for St Kilda, 135 games. Ken Mulhall of St Kilda, 134 games, 81 goals. Ken Hands. Yes. He's retiring, so that's falling out. He's gone. So that's... Three, three great captains retiring in one year. Yep. Yeah. Uh, two hundred and eleven games, one hundred and eighty-eight goals, two flags. Len Crane of Hawthorne, one hundred and forty-five games, two goals. Des Rowe, Richmond. There's another Brownlow. Yeah. Did he win? Des Rowe? Yeah. No, didn't, no. He, didn't he draw one? No. No, I'm not. thinking of someone no. else. Uh, one hundred and seventy-five games, twenty-four goals. Jack Mills of Carlton, one hundred and twenty-four goal games, one hundred and twenty-eight goals. Cardboard box, a Footscray, Peter Box, one hundred and seven games. <laughs> 43 goals, one flag, one Brownlow. Jack Hamilton of Collingwood, 154 games, 16 goals. 
We'll, we'll uh, talk much more about him when we get into the uh, administration side. Mm. Havel Rowe of Richmond, 124 games, 43 goals. Peter Pianto, oh, no. oh, 121 games, 144 goals, two flags. Norm Johnson, Travis Johnson's grandfather, I believe. There we go. 228 games, 185 goals. Jock Spencer, 153 games, 475 goals. And Harvey Stevens of Footscray, 126 games, 127 goals. And also note the former Demons captain, uh, Dr. McClellan, died in, I think it was June of 1957 as well. Oh, no. Yeah. Bill McClellan Bill died McClellan, this yeah. year. Dr. Bill McClellan, yeah. Wow. So much going on. I know. So let's, uh, let's wrap it up then. This uh, live video episode that we've been doing. Yes. Um, premiers. The Mighty Ds, third in a row. Brownlow medalist? Brian Gleeson. Brian Gleeson, we just uh, had this little Brownlow medal here. Oh, Ooh, yeah. cute. Tingles. Um, yeah. The common medalist? Cole. Not Cole. <laughs> common medalist was Jack Collins. Jack Collins 74 with 74, goals. yes. Interesting fun fact, uh, Jack Collins is the only player to have a been awarded the leading goal kicker of the league and the Coleman medal because he was he won before Coleman died and or retired and then after once I renamed oh, it. Oh, okay. Um, he had been a leading advocate for naming the award after Coleman honouring leading goal kickers prior to 1981 and the only player to re- receive both. Upon receiving the goal kicking medal, he was bloody angry and complained to the AFL commission as he perceived the leading goal kicker medal to be inferior. To the Coleman, yeah. really? Ah. <laughs> uh, wooden spoon. The mighty Geelong Cats. Yes, the Geelong the Cats. Geelong their, fourth, their fourth wooden spoon. <laughs> Highest score was the Demons, 24 goals, 14, 158. Here are the Premiership tallies, something we haven't done for a little bit. Yes. Yeah, I like these. Collingwood with 12, Essendon with 10, Melbourne with 9, Carlton 8, Fitzroy 8, Geelong 5, Richmond 5, South 3, Footscray 1. St Kilda none. Correct. North <laughs> Melbourne, none. Hawthorne, none. Um, McCracken Award. Here's the big one, Kaz. This is what everyone right. tuned in to see. Mm. Here's your options. Doug Long, Ray Harrop, Bruno, Bruno Zorzi, Alan Chip, Brian Barclay, Phil Rauchow, Ray Slocum, Brian Forkhead, Percy Appleyard, <laughs> Colin Colquhoun, Eric the Tank Guy, Ivor Whitnish, Brian Pilcher, John Quarrell, Terry Ingersoll, Cyril Collard, Frank Driscoll, Bill Bryan, and Ian Thorogood. Like you said, you say it with a Scottish accent. All right. Forkhead. Forkhead. I can impossibly go past yeah. the tank guy. If you you could almost be you guys. So. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. If you uh, want to start calling me the tank, that's alright with me. <laughs> <laughs> um, forkhead. forkhead. Yeah. 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 Got to be. We've had fun with that, haven't we? Right. And we'll continue to, I'm sure. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and that gets us to the end of our uh, our 1957 televised special. So if you're listening to this on uh, as a podcast, you can you can watch it as well again. <laughs> Imagine. Um, does this mean we're going to be filming all our episodes? Absolutely not. Not yeah. at all. <laughs> this is a special one-off for now. We we might have we've got some other ideas up our sleeves that we might. Yes. We might, might take do. this show on the road. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. yeah. We've got, oh. we got a few plans, but we won't be televising all of them. But we'll we'll. We'll have some ideas. Yeah. yeah. Like it. If you liked it, let us know. Yeah. I'd if you like didn't, please don't, because we're very <laughs> fragile. No. <laughs> you can let me know. We can't take it. For the next uh, podcast meeting. Yes. Mm. All right. So thank you for tuning in on YouTube or podcast. Yeah, absolutely. 57, here we come. So 58. 58. Oh, the centenary. 
100 yes. years of football. Oh, yes. Melbourne going for four in a row. Can they do it? Can they oh, I don't know. I'm so do nervous. It. Can they? No. Me too. What can yeah. I say? Bombers, bombers will come back, surely. <laughs> it's going to happen. Uh, let's uh, let's tune in now as we, we say goodbye to Big Red. Oh, sorry. I'm going to do Red's theme song. Okay, go. Uh, yeah, so until 58, hooroo! Big Red's local footy roundup for your state and suburban football action. Sinking our teeth into grassroots football. G'day, kick team. Big Red here, on location, out in the country. Bush football, that's where it's at. This jumper here reminds me of circa 2002. Uh, Sandringham Dragons, Big Red playing with the likes of Chris Judd, Luke Ball, Lee Fisher, who is now an AFL umpire. The other two, the names you will know. Anyway, let's get into the round for the 1957 football from around this great country. First, we take a look at the Sandville, where in the 78th season of football, we have Port Adelaide claiming their 27th minor premiership and their 18th premiership overall. In a glorious run that has seen them grab hold of the last four premierships in that Sandville football. The grand final this year was played at the Adelaide Oval in front of 60,000 fans, and they were treated to an encounter between Port and their fellow grand finalist, Norwood. Norwood led the game at every change, uh, but were overrun in the final quarter for the final scores being 15-15-105 to 13-16-94. The Ken Farmer Award for the Sanford leading goal kicker was won by Peter Phillips from West Adelaide with 90 goals for the season. The McGarry Medal in the 1957 season of football was tied and shared between Ron Benton of West Adelaide and Jim Dean of South Adelaide. Benton was a 180-game player with West Adelaide. Uh, that included also his induction into West Adelaide's Hall of Fame. Dean won two McGarry medals in his time, which, were, which covered a 157-game career with South Adelaide. Dean also played 50 games for Richmond in the VFL. After his professional career, or after his top-level career, he went off and played in the Ovens and Murray, where he also won two further league medals. Over in the Waffle, where they head into their 73rd season of football, and we have East Fremantle coming from behind in the grand final to claim their first flag in over 10 seasons uh, in a win over the minor Premier East Perth. 40,000 fans were witness to the game and saw the final scores of 10-18-78 to 9-8-62. It was in the third quarter that East Fremantle broke away with 13 scoring shots uh, and five of those being goals to bring the game close at three-quarter time. The third quarter momentum carried it through into the fourth quarter and they break away to a 16-point victory. Our leading Waffle goal kicker for the season, soon to be named Bernie Naylor Medal for the season, it was Don Glass from Subiaco with 83 goals for that season. The Sandover Medal was shared in 1957 as well between Jack Clark of East Fremantle and Graham Polly Farmer of East Perth, both, both tying on 19 votes. Jack was a ruckman and a 200-game player with East Fremantle and a had a decorated career that included 28 state games. Uh, this season's premiership with East Fremantle, he captained and coached the side at various times, had multiple best and fairests, was a state captain, All-Australian on multiple occasions, Western Australian Hall of Fame inductee and AFL Hall of Fame inductee. Polly Farmer uh, is a name that all of us will know very well. Uh, the man has done almost everything possible in football five Waffle Premierships, one VFL Premiership, three Sandover Medals, a total of 10 Club Best and Fairest across 19 seasons. 
three-time All-Australian, East Perth Team of the Century, Geelong Team of the Century, West Perth Team of the Century, Hall of Fame Legend, AFL Team of the Century, Western Australian Team of the Century, and Indigenous Team of the Century. Absolutely remarkable. We could possibly run a whole nother podcast on Graham Polly Farmer, uh, and may he rest in peace. Over the VFA, and in the 76th year of competition, the premiership was won by Moorabbin for their first premiership in their short in their first short stint uh, in the competition. Moorabbin joined the VFA from the Federal League in 1951 after a successful run uh, and 12 premierships in that competition. They entered the VFA with a strong team and tasted some finals through those early 50s, but uh, really led strongly for the first time through that 1957 season. The grand final was played between Moorabbin and Port Melbourne at the St Kilda Cricket Ground in front of 26,000 fans. The scores for the game were somewhat one-sided, uh, with Moorabbin pushing steadily ahead for the entire game. The final scores for that game were 15-12-102 to 7-20-62. With inaccurate kicking letting the Port side down, the major loser that season was actually the Williamstown Football Club, who were actually undefeated for the entire home and away season, but went on to lose their two finals uh, games, losing to both of the grand finalists in those those appearances. It was a sad end to their um, three consecutive uh, premiership run at that stage, um, and frustratingly for Williamstown, um, beyond this 1957 season, they will go on to win the next three premierships after this as well. So had they won the 1957 premiership, they could have gone for seven premierships in a row. Remarkable. However, they went for three, break and three. Still very good uh, seven season run for that Williamstown side. The association leading goal kicker was won by for the second consecutive season by Bob Bennett from Port Melbourne, who kicked 88 goals for the season. The J.J. Liston Medal in that 1957 season was won by Ken Ross from Camberwell. Ross played 127 games for Fitzroy in the VFL in a, uh, a four-year stint, uh, and then off across to the VF, uh, VFA for Camberwell. They entered the VFA with a strong team and tasted some finals through those early 50s, but uh, really led strongly for the first time through that 1957 season. The grand final was played between Moorabbin and Port Melbourne at the St Kilda Cricket Ground in front of 26,000 fans. The scores for the game were somewhat one-sided, uh, with Moorabbin pushing steadily ahead for the entire game. The final scores for that game were 15-12-102 to 7-20-62. With inaccurate kicking letting the Port side down, the major loser that season was actually the Williamstown Football Club, who were actually undefeated for the entire home and away season, but went on to lose their two finals uh, games, losing to both of the grand finalists in those those appearances. It was a sad end to their um, three consecutive uh, premiership run at that stage, um, and frustratingly for Williamstown, um, beyond this 1957 season, they will go on to win the next three premierships after this as well. So had they won the 1957 premiership, they could have gone for seven premierships in a row. Remarkable. However, they went for three, break and three. Still very good uh, seven season run for that Williamstown side. The association leading goal kicker was won by for the second consecutive season by Bob Bennett from Port Melbourne, who kicked 88 goals for the season. The J.J. Liston Medal in that 1957 season was won by Ken Ross from Camberwell. Ross played 127 games for Fitzroy in the VFL in a, 
uh, in a four-year stint. Uh, and then off across to the VFR, VFA for Camberwell from that 1956 season. Uh, over into the VAFA, and we have Collegians have easily beaten Uni Blacks, and in Queensland, Sandgate have beaten Coup Peru uh, to go back to back. And finally, in 1957, uh, a little known player by the name of Daryl Bulldock won the Wanda Medal, which is the league best and fairest award in the Northern Tasmanian Football League. Uh, for the first of three times, it, as a matter of fact, in 1957, Daryl Bulldog has won the first of three league medals down in Tasmania. Uh, he was playing with East Davenport at the time. Uh, and as many of you know, uh, Bulldog will become a premiership hero with St Kilda in 1966. So look forward to hearing from uh, Timmy G, uh, the Kazman, Coops and Anna Morris about that in future episodes. And with that, we wrap up the 1957 season of football from around this great country. Until next time, kick straight. To find out more about the kick to kick team and the sources we use, visit our website, www.kicktokickpodcast.com. You can contact us via email at kicktokickpodcast at gmail.com or find us on Twitter and Instagram under at kicktokickpod. Thanks so much for listening.